When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey gang, it's Monday, and that means it's time for another episode of Ranching Reboot, the podcast that reboots your thinking about farming, ranching, food systems, and the people that operate them. I'm your host, Brian Alexander, and this is episode 153. This episode marks three-year anniversary of the Ranching Reboot podcast, and if you've been here since the beginning, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. If you haven't, there's a lot of great content available in the last 152 episodes, plus the bonuses. So make sure you go check out some of that earlier stuff. There's a lot of great podcasts there. I want to give a special shout out this month to Brazos Siebert. Thank you for your support on Patreon. This episode sponsored by Land Trust. Discover the future of land stewardship with LandTrust.com, where landowners and outdoor enthusiasts unite for conservation and adventure. Landowners, diversify your income by sharing your land with vetted hunters and nature lovers who respect your legacy. Outdoor enthusiasts, Gain access to private, conserved lands for authentic experience. At Ranching Reboot, we value sustainable land use and conservation. Land Trust aligns with our mission, offering a platform to support land health and local ecosystems while generating additional income. Join the movement at Land Trust. Together, we can ensure the prosperity of our land for generations. That's landtrust.com slash reboot. Reconnect, respect, and regenerate. That's landtrust.com slash reboot, or just click the link in the show notes. My guests today hail from the Ozarks of Missouri, and as usual, we start off with some history and background, and then we dive right in. Ann and Bob Demarath raised grass-fed and finished beef with South Pole cattle. Now, guys, I got to tell you, you don't want to miss this one. Ann and Bob has some shocking results you can't miss. The study we've all been waiting for, the study about the nutrient density of regeneratively raised grass-fed beef compared to grocery store beef. It's all coming right up on this episode of Ranching Reboot. Here we go. Okay, well, maybe Outlook and uh, maybe all the notifications will stop. All right, Ann and Bob Demarath, thank you so much for your time today. Welcome to Ranching Reboot. How are you? Good. Good. How are you, Brian? I'm really good. I'm really good. It's a nice, foggy, cool January morning here. Looking forward to some precipitation. And um, it's it's been a pretty easy winter. How are, how are you guys? We are um, good. It's yeah. going to be pushing 70 today. So we are going to throw open windows this afternoon and enjoy that so at least that's what i'm gonna do bob will go outside i don't get outside hardly ever (laughs) Uh, well let's uh let's kick us off here tell us a little bit about about where you guys are at for context and um and a little bit about what you do you want to go go ahead okay so we live um about an hour east of springfield missouri um kind of in the central part of the ozarks here um south central south central yeah um We've been here almost 10 years. This In April, it'll be 10 years since we made an offer on the place that we're at. Um, we came from Northeast Nebraska. We were conventional row crop farmers up there. Bob was up there his whole life. Um, 
till he decided he didn't want to be there anymore. Um, we did have some cattle back in that part of the world. Uh, we had a couple, well, between 200 and 250 mamas, depending on the time of the year and the weather. Um, we sold that herd out when we moved south, started over. Um, we have a pretty decent sized operation here. We're not huge, but we're not tiny. Um, we're somewhere in that neighborhood of, you know, probably what, 1200 grazable acres all told ish. Yeah. 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 And, uh, running, you, running two to two, 250 mama cows. Peppers and yearling okay. on top of that. That's not bad for 1400 acres. It must be no. nice to live somewhere where it rains. Uh, yeah. A <laughs> yeah. Annual rainfall is 46 inches. So yeah, it's, uh, that was one of the, uh, in northeast Nebraska, it was it was twenty six. About what the annual rainfall was here, I thought, oh my gosh, I can have irrigated pasture without paying for it. So uh, that was exciting. Yeah, but for sure. We have rocks here that don't yeah. hold water like the dirt yeah. did back it, in Nebraska. It has it has to rain every two weeks, or it gets, you know, we don't have a a, a huge amount of topsoil, so we do need rain frequently to keep it going. Uh, yeah, if you don't get a rain in two weeks, it's it's the start of a drought. So it's not like we're real, real residual. We're getting better as the way we graze, but uh, you know we're building soil every year. Okay, uh, so how do you graze? Um, we're uh, pretty much uh, move cows uh, every day, all year round. Uh, we do things a little differently uh, in the in the fall we actually start feeding a little bit of hay uh in september to grow stockpile but we we never stop grazing until uh we never stop grazing we graze something every day uh right now in in the fast growing season we we, we graze probably 25 30 acres every day and right now we're doing five acres a day uh, and, uh, we're, so from the 1st of September until the 1st of April, we do about five acres every day. And then we, and then we supplement hay to whatever they need, uh, according to the stockpile. Uh, we're running pretty close to, uh, 400 and some animal units. And for the most part, we can get by on about three bales of hay a day. Okay. I, I can't do math quite that fast. That doesn't, that's not a lot. Uh, no, I, no, they're great. If, if we had, if we had 10 or 12 acres, I don't think we could, we could probably, probably not hay at all uh, from mo most places where our stockpile is uh, for that, because we, 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 since we're not, it's been a long time since we've been back, you know, around uh, when we slow up in September. So it gets a good chance to grow. And so we, we, uh, I like, I like watching them graze every day, uh, something green. And as we buy all our hay, we're not, you know, most of the time it's halfway good quality, but we're really not sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I like to have them graze every day. So we do graze every day, all year round. Okay. Uh, you said that you're doing lower density, lower, lower 
stock density during the grazing season on your daily moves or, or yeah. i'm sorry during the growing yeah. season and that seems a little right. counterintuitive to me can you can you explain that why um yeah. uh to keep it in a vegetative state um we try and it grows it grows faster if you don't take it as short so we're we're just trying to keep ahead of it and not let it get too seedy or anything uh so we want to go around and just basically we're basically selective grazing yeah. for you're, the first you're basically clipping it high and moving on there you know uh sometimes they're like you get in late may and stuff when it's growing really fast you're not hardly taking anything and you know you're just boom bang and you're gone uh but it grows back so much faster the more plant you leave behind I mean, we've been doing this for a little while now and, and uh, adjusting as we go along. And it, this seems to be working the best. If we can go around in the spring at, you know, like 35 days. Around the whole farm. Around the whole ranch. Uh, okay. and, then, and then start over. And then as it starts to dry or get drier, then we slow up and, and take a little more and, and give it a little more chance for the rain to come or to regrow. So up until usually i mean there's no set rules obviously uh because every year is different but i would say on average we probably do that really fast rotation up until about the first of july and then we usually slow them down a little bit um we might go to a 60-day rotation until the first of september when we really slow them up to start growing stockpile okay okay that that makes sense. I'm just, I was thinking about, you know, like you, I think you suggested like a 35 day rest recovery period you know, right. that you want to go around to stay in phase two. What's, what's kind of like the, what would be the window for that? I guess for your rest recovery period on a, a great year versus a terrible year. Uh, well, as it, it if you're basically all you do is you uh you adjust according to rainfall you know if i go on if i'm going around 35 days and it doesn't rain obviously i'm going to get back around and i'm not going to have any feed so i just i we just as, adjust kind of yeah it's it's a it's like you kind of pump the brakes every now and then and make sure you're you know you, you might, might have you might slow up for a few days and then you get two inch rain and you might pick it back up it Temperature makes a difference. Everything makes a difference. Uh, yeah. Uh, 35 is minimum. You know, it might be 40, 45. Uh, and, and then usually, like I said, if it turns real dry, we'll probably go at least 60, not longer, maybe 70. Uh, but we don't want to take it too short either in the growing season. In the wintertime, I don't care. I'll, I'll take it pretty short in the wintertime. Okay, now, now I got to know what kind of grass, what kind of forages are you guys on? Primarily fescue. Okay, uh, we are seeing some fun things pop up though. So, to kind of, can I give them a little history of where we were, where we were at? So, when we bought this place ten years ago, it was a registered Angus operation, and it was broken up into ninety-one paddocks, um, and they would just. To our knowledge, anyway, the way it looked to us when we got here is they would just park cows in paddock number whatever, and that's where that cow would stay its entire existence. 
Well, they, um, limited rotation. Yeah, yeah. They did some, but uh, yeah, you know, when you're doing specific bulls on specific cows, you need yep, you need yep. them separate. And and I don't know if they ever mixed them back together. I don't know how. I don't know. Ran, there was but... there was quite a few feed bunks around, and there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of places where you could have shot a snake at a hundred yards pretty easy. Well, there um, was they had um, there was ten of the concrete bunks and fifteen uh, hay feeders that came with the place the, the circle hay feeders so okay. that tells you yeah. what they were doing so they had like 91 yeah. herds yeah 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 something like that so Could have. yeah overgrazed and underutilized is how we referred to it for a while um and when we came here to start bob was doing three-day rotations with the cattle this dude loves his cows man he'd rather be out there with his cows most of the time than anybody else with possibly the exception of me on some days um some days he really likes me and some days he's the cows are better choices but um uh we started doing three days and then he went to uh an ian mitchell innes school um up at greg judy's okay and he just came back and he's like no we need to do better he said we're gonna move every day and man i tell you what that difference between three-day moves and daily moves Man, the stuff that comes up when you well, leave that. Yeah. I and, mean, it's, it's incredible. And my, and my, uh, I was uh, taking it sh too short. I was, you know, three day moves. I was, I was leaving them there plenty long. We had a little trouble with fescue foot and all that. Once we switched over to daily moves, we haven't had a fescue foot or all our cows still have all their tail switches and all that stuff. So we're, we're learning how to manage the fescue. Um, but again, uh, I'll probably throw this out right away because it's it's one of my favorite sayings, and uh, I believe all ranchers are doing what what they think is best and trying to do the best for their land and everything. But uh, you do the best you can until you know better, and then when you know better, you have to do better. Okay. So if you if you know better and ignore it, then then that's bad. But if you don't know any better, I won't fault you for that. You know, there's no, I don't, I don't blame people that that if they don't know any better, they just don't know any better. I take in case point my dad growing up, he did the best he could with the information he had, but he steered us right down the conventional spraying. You know, when we started back in the early 70s, that was all new and we adopted every principle that they told us was good. And it, and it wasn't, but he didn't know that and he was doing the best he could with what he knew. So I don't fault him for that, uh, you know. Uh, well, even your life, I mean, really. Well, I did, yeah. I mean, we continued down that path from 74 up until about 2000, probably 2012, I think was the year that you went and listened to Gabe the first time. Is, but, is that what changed Gabe, your mind and, yeah, and started Gabe your Brown. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Gabe Brown came to our local community college. Um, we were fortunate enough when we lived in Nebraska that Wayne Rasmussen, the guy that kind of founded Grass-Fed Exchange with Terry Gompert, lived just a couple miles down the road. And at the time, we all kind of thought that was way too, that was way too out there. Yeah. We were like, man, I don't know what those guys are doing, but whatever. It you worked know, for them. Fine. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much uh, just, you know, that was a long time ago and pretty much. I don't know of anybody in the local community that thought Wayne Rasmussen was a little bit off his rocker. But 
you that know, being just, said, just because it was different. It was so different and nobody was, you yeah. know, you know how people are different is different, uncomfortable. Yeah. I've met Wayne. I mean, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, long story short, Wayne somehow, um, well, Gabe Brown was just getting sort of the, I mean, we knew who he was, but that was about it. Right. But Gabe showed up at, at our local community college for a meeting and he said, I want to go. And I'm like, I am not going to another farming meeting. I've got stuff to do. I need to go help mom out. I need to, you know, go to Target. There, get groceries, whatever, whatever. I dropped him off that morning for that meeting, and I picked him up the in the afternoon. And he was, I didn't even know who he was. He was excited. He was he was babbling like a little kid. I mean, he just was like, all these things were coming out of his mouth, and I'm looking at him going, who who are you? You're awfully excited about this. And that just took him down this rabbit hole. And that was his do better moment. He's like, we can't keep this up. And that's when he started really getting into this, um, this movement, I guess, if you will. And that's really was the tipping point for where we were at and what we were going to do with our future. Um, how long, just, how long did it take? after you went to that meeting with Gabe Brown, how long did it take before you had a plan to, to start changing your operation or to, to be in a different place? Do we have place? a plan? Uh, well, do we have a plan? We, we, uh, <laughs> or did you ever that's, have a plan? Yeah. That that's kind of a, uh, yeah. Uh, so we were still, we had cows, but we were still uh, pretty much farming. Uh, the conventional way and we were farming uh, with other people because uh, we weren't big enough to have all our own equipment and everything and uh, I knew what needed to be done but I couldn't I didn't think I could do it um, what do you, what do you mean by I that? didn't think I, I could didn't think I could do it on my own so uh, you know because I didn't have the the capital the infrastructure without working with somebody else and nobody else, the people that I worked with did, did absolutely not want to go down this because they thought it was, we would lose too much money. So we basically left. I knew ranching would be the well, perfect way to do it the best way. And so we basically moved from farming country to ranching country. And I have too many rocks. I can't farm if I wanted to now. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, uh, and I think, yeah, I don't know if I actually had a plan. I just knew that I wanted to do things in tune with mother nature. And this was probably the easiest place to do it. So maybe I bailed. I don't know. Uh, well, do you want a little history there, Brian? Yes. There's a little more than what he's touching on. So we were in a family farm corporation. His parents in 1974 gave him the option and his and his brother, both an option we can either set you up in farming or you can go to college. And both boys ended up back on the farm and they set up a corporation and, you know, it was the seventies. Um, they were focused on growth and how do we get from, cause when you graduate, what would your dad have one quarter when you graduated from high school? His dad owned one quarter of ground when he graduated well, actually, from high school. Yeah, actually he just bought it in 68. Yeah. So in 1968, he bought his first quarter of farm ground okay. and so six, seven years in, they're trying to figure out how they're going to support everybody. And they grew. 
and they were focused on growth. They hard, hardly got anything for paychecks because everything went back into the farm, but it all worked for a long time. You know, both boys ended up with families, um, you know, life. Well, we, comes, we basically yeah. ran it for, I mean, for 40 years. Yeah. It, it, it worked. And then when it, and then all of a sudden it just didn't work. It wasn't going to work anymore. So, I mean, it, there was no exit strategy. There was no really re good retirement option for anybody to get out of the farm. Um, and it just, communications broke down as the next generations came in, communications broke down. It, it was very awkward and uncomfortable. Um, and to be a hundred percent truthful in 2012 or 11 or 12, whenever you went to that Gabe Brown meeting, I was watching my husband disappear. And he's, you can clearly see he's not a giant dude to start with. <laughs> right. Um, but by the time we got the farm split done and we thought things would get better family-wise, we all lived in the same section of ground. So it was really hard to not, um, you know, to, to not have good communication with them. And um, or you just look over the tree row and they're right there. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was awful. Um, but he was down to 148 pounds. I mean, you hugged him and it was like you were hugging a toothpick. It's like, do I even have anything? And am I going to break it if I squeeze too tight? Um, you know, well, it was, was that, was that just stress? You could just couldn't yeah. eat. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It just, I was just sick most of the time. Uh, the relationship with my brother deteriorated to the point where we were trying to work together, but not talk to each other. And that does not work. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just very stressful. Uh, and then on top of that, in the back of my mind, I was doing things that I knew weren't sustainable to the, to the soil and the earth and, 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 uh, yeah, it's just a, a overload of things that, that I just didn't think were right and, and things weren't, just weren't going well. So yeah, basically just the stress. Yeah. Um, so it I wasn't sleeping yeah. very well, obviously, you know, I'd go to bed at 11 and, or later and then. Uh, five o'clock yeah. every morning you know if i get if i get five or six hours you know and we moved down here and i think the first night i i slept down here i slept for like 11 hours straight uh it's just it was like we just came to the place where we were supposed to be okay so um I'd, i'm anyway. not sure 11 yeah. hours of sleep in one night sounds like a distant dream well <laughs> <laughs> We, it's uh, it's we, easier uh, when you don't have a lot of weight on your mind. I mean, yeah. you, you know, and to be truthful, I mean, this move, this move for us just changed us as people. I mean, we weren't honoring what, you know, we weren't honoring a lifestyle that we could live with really. Neither one of us were. Um, we moved down here and things have just changed and opened up and contacts have changed and um we kind of we also have another saying here if it's too hard god isn't in it um, okay and, and, and yeah <laughs> basically we don't we don't really get i don't really stress about too much of anything uh it's to, it's an it's been an evolution or a process but uh i've just come to the realization that you know i'm basically not in control anyway and I'll do the best I can and, and to do what I need to do. But uh, if things don't go the way I think they should go in the day, there's always tomorrow. 
and so it's not the end of the world uh like it used to be so. uh, yeah it, you, i was i just had the thought that wet string, you know, you know I just had the thought it's a lot easier for me to accept a failure or something that didn't work when I know I did everything I can, mm -hmm. Yeah. but it was nature or God that was like, oh, this just yeah. isn't going to work. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's, it's a lot easier to accept that when you've done everything that you think is right, it's a lot easier to accept that when versus going out and spraying roundup and trying to feel good about that right yeah yeah you yeah. just you, uh, again once you know better <laughs> you do better you, you have to you have to do better and if you don't do better then it eats on you so or it did me anyway <laughs> and, and i agree with your statement like once you know better you have to do better the thing I, and this isn't anything on you guys but i mean i keep going to conferences and meetings and, and seminars and I don't know. Sometimes you see the same guys there four or five years in a row and they're still asking the same questions. You know, after you kind of get to know them, you ask them like, so what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still researching. Like I've been seeing you on the conference circuit for five years and you're right. still spraying everything. You're still set stocking everything. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And so like, kind of like we were talking before the show. Okay there's a lot of different like brand name grazing systems out there. There's a lot of different schools out there and most of them are all teaching the same stuff or they're all talking about the same stuff. And my dad really got upset. Oh, well, a couple of years ago about, Oh, why does everybody, you know, why is everybody got to have their own thing? Why can't everybody just get together and, you know, get together and kind of have a unified soil health and regenerative agriculture? Well, because most people need to hear stuff like four, five, six times before it sinks in. And the more hearing it from different perspectives is very, very helpful. Yeah. Too. yeah. Right. I agree. You know, well, I don't care yeah. whether you call it, in, you know, management intensive grazing or amp, amp grazing yeah. or, or, or whatever. It, the, the principles are all the same. Yes. I, I agree with that, but, um, yeah, everything is a little different and you take a little bit from here and a little bit from there and and see what works on your place and you go with that. I mean, what works on my place, you know, obviously like you said, you're not going to you're not going to be running that many cows on that many acres, but uh and and it's a total different management system. You know, if you were if you had the same number of cows I had, you'd probably be moving them on 100 acres a day. Uh, it could be, you know, or it, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's all, it's all different, but it's all the same. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of, kind of another thing that's in my head right now is my friend, Bob Kenford, he's been saying this a lot lately. Rotational grazing is not regenerative grazing. Just blindly having a rotation is not being regenerative. Just following a grazing plan is not being regenerative. In order to be regenerative, we need to be taking observations and you know constantly be making adjustments based on our observations and deviations from plan. Right. right. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, rotational it's grazing and adaptive grazing are yeah. a little bit different. Uh, yeah. You have you. You can't just say 
and and I'm I'm really bad at that because I I like to have a system and I like to know where everything's going to be at a specific time, but I will set up a grazing plan uh, because I have there's only you know if you're going around in 35 or 60 days there's only one or two days that they're going to be close to the corral facilities if you need to do something uh you know for a major event so i kind of like to have those somewhat planned yes can it vary yes it does vary uh but i'm probably a little bit between the adaptive and the uh rotational i'm probably on a little more system than i should be uh we're we're bringing in a few extra people here to try and get me out of my ruts and stuff uh with, and some, with some retirement with, time. with a little yeah. bit of uh you know different thinking you know because i i kind of get set in my ways and i like to do things the same way really really so never uh, noticed that. <laughs> but uh yeah i i'm trying to be a lot more adaptive you know before uh you know by god we had a plan yeah, we four or five years it. ago it was yep. it was 45 days year round just bing 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 you know uh, that, and that was rotational grazing. And now I, it's it's more adaptive. Like I said, when it turns dry, then that varies one year from the next when you slow it up or when you speed it up or whatever you do. And uh, yeah, it's it's visual and adaptive more uh, than just setting it, setting it up. Uh, I still think the most important thing is days of rest for your environment. Um, so that's more. And, and of course, that's what I adapt and, and base ours on, uh, you know, the more, you know, if you're, I've never been in a real arid environment, but you may pasture those once or twice a year in something like that. Um, I, we're, we're fortunate or that we get rain so we can do it a little different. I mean, most of the time we get rain. Anyway. Yeah. 40, 46 inches. I wouldn't even know what that looks like. It it's, it's wet. <laughs> yeah. You know what though? It's it's cool though to watch what for me anyway, it's cool to watch it. So we we do have our dry times. Um traditionally the last few years, September's been a hard month because it's dry and it's crunchy and it's usually been hot. Now it's this, this last one, yeah, not supposed to be that way, but we all know that the weather patterns are changing. Yeah. But um it's fun to watch what happens when that little bit of rain pops in here, how fast this world that we live in here. How fast it recovers a little bit of rain just everything's like oh, it you know it the grass will perk back right back up it's just and i those are the things that i didn't notice back in nebraska ever um but it uh yeah and and we're also our our soil and stuff is, is yeah. getting better every year so yeah. we're holding more moisture the drought is taking longer to affect us uh you know when it does turn dry Around here, they say you're two weeks away from a drought or two weeks away from a flood, uh, depending upon the weather, because uh, it can dry up that fast. And I'm seeing that once it quits raining, we've got a longer stretch now because we're holding the water. That and the fact that our creeks don't flood out. Yeah, our, our creeks are, are clear. When, it, when we do get a heavy rain, it's not near as mucky as it used to be and stuff like that, you know. So, so. it's observational. We're on a pretty much a headwater so most of the water that goes through the creeks right here on the place or is the water from our ranch there's not much coming from somebody else's uh because it goes the other way once you get on the other side of our ranch 
the water does. So that that's kind of similar to how my place is. It's I'm at the top of the watershed, all the canyons, like all the headlands, all the creeks, they all start on me. And that, there's only just one little place up in my uh, northwest corner where I've got a creek that starts on a neighbor that comes across me for about a quarter mile and goes out. The rest of it, it's it all starts yeah. and most of it stays yeah. on that's me. The way our, that's the way ours is too. It's <laughs> really it's really cool to go to the downstream end where the creek flows off the ranch after we've had like an inch, inch and a half rain. Yeah. And watch the creek come up like, I don't know, come up like two inches and still stay clear. Like that that's yeah. the coolest thing ever because I yeah. know all that rainwater is staying on the ranch in my soil. Yeah. 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 And then yeah, we have a lot of springs here too. So uh it it might rise you know down the road a little faster, but it's coming back up out of the ground instead of off the ground, if you know what I mean with all the springs we have yeah 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 and they'll start flowing again yeah it's kind of a fun deal. i mean like i said it's this move I, we never noticed things like that back there it this move of course we're a lot more in tune in with, tune stuff with too, what's going you know, on yeah a lot less distractions here um so yeah this is it's been it's been a fun ride for sure no, uh, so. you said days of rest is most important to me it is i, I don't know if that's <laughs> uh, well, I, no i'm not going to disagree with that yeah. at all and no. you know it's absolutely critical that that plant has recovery time right yes uh, yeah. before it gets rebitten and yeah. and balancing that recovery time i mean i, I listen to you talk about you know keeping your grass in in phase two kind of late phase two stay in that vegetated phase and i think that's great and i know that's better for animal performance i've just had a really hard time with that concept on my place because i'm on native range and it's not all just fescue it's you know right. fifty-three thousand different species out there of grass yeah. and forbs and you know three hours less of sunlight on july 1st might set one plant back two weeks and i have no idea why I think there, there's managing in a polyculture. There's some challenges and I'm still trying to figure out because, you know, at, as we all know, just a little bit of rain, a little bit of sunlight here, a little bit of temperature here can totally change how your forage is going to grow and what's going to, what's going to grow more volume over the year. Right. Yeah. You know, some years will be more big blue, little blue, switchgrass, any grass, whatever. And, I can't sit here in January and tell you what kind of year I'm going to have. Nope. Like I can't even get close. Like the best I'm going to be able to do is maybe sometime around the end of February, I'll be able to make a pretty good guess on what I can handle, like upper end stocking rate, bottom end stocking rate. And that's yeah. the best I can do. And sometimes you got to stick with that. And well, last year, gosh, it was so dry last year. I worked with my clients and I ended up kicking that can down the road till almost the first of May, which is when I'd be bringing in cattle anyway. And first of May, I said, all right, fine, bring them in two to three weeks, but be prepared to go home in July. Yeah. I mean, that's a fun situation. Yeah. Bring me cows. Yeah. I might be <laughs> able to feed them for 45 days. Yeah. But that's part of the, that's part of what we're all trying to do here with this adaptive or 
managed or whatever you want to call the rotational group, whatever moniker you want to give it is you've got to be kind of content aware of what you've got and you got to be able to roll with the flow and you've got to have a backup plan. Um, you know, well, if, if I can just say for a minute yeah. how I handled that situation. So we, we talk about adaptive and in, in our days of rest and and our densities, right? Well, I didn't have anything growing. Like normally fifth, the 8th, 15th, 21st, those are the days in April that I look at. So we're either early, mid or late April when things start greening up. Normally it's kind of around mid-April. This year it was May 23rd and everything was still dead. It was, everything was just brown, crunchy. It was gross. And then it started raining. And all through June, it was, I mean, it was cloudy, it was cool, and it rained a lot. And I'm out every day, I'm watching the grass. Like, I'm just, it's just, you just hear this like big sucking sound, just sucking all the water down, and nothing's growing, nothing's growing, nothing's growing. So I still had my rotations, I was still slowed down, I was taking a lot of grass, kind of, you know, kind of clipping it pretty short, but then again, even though we're almost the first of June or we're into June, I hadn't seen any grass growth. Yes. Grass growth at all yet. So I was still in dormant season grazing mode, which is take it down a little shorter. As soon as I started to see grass, I waited about another four days and then we were moving every, either every day or every other day for the next 40 days. Because that was the only thing I could think of. I mean, as soon as there's grass growing, we need to let everything rest and just do a quick clip. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You got to be able to think just exactly like what you just said, you know, and think and pray that you're doing the right thing. And we do, so, we, by, by the way we're managing it, by, by slowing them back up in September, um, those fields get a chance to actually root down and grow, you know, cause you, it might be 90 days, but, and, uh, as long as we keep that rotation and keep it varied, uh, from year to year, our pastures do get a chance to actually deep grow, uh, then also, cause we get, a, we get growth right up until the first of December here. Usually. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, you'll get a frost, but the, the, the fescue and stuff will keep growing pretty much you know i always figure about the first of december is when it it's actually stops growing uh you'll get a little growth all the way up till then uh but see that all that stuff like where i grazed fairly hard in september that's got regrowth on it and but i won't graze that again until april when when i've got new grass coming in on with it so I'll have a little bit of regrowth as I go around. And then like the stuff where I'm grazing now, of course, uh, I won't be back there until May. So it'll be, it'll have a good chance to regrow. Uh, so, yeah, no, so that, that's, it, it, it works for here fairly well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if we covered this or not. I know I just made a comment about it, about, rest during the growing season versus rest during the dormant season. And 
So I said that, you know, I take it down a little shorter during the dormant season. And it, I could get into the reasons, reasons and logic behind that, but just like the short end of it is, I just feel it's really hard to overgraze a plant that's dormant yeah. for the season and it doesn't have any active growth points. That's, that's, that's my theory too. I figured, you know, I, I don't think I'm hurting anything and I'm taking it obviously very short if I'm feeding three bales of hay and, and five acres and having 400 animal units, you know, there's, there's nothing left out there basically. I mean, there's no bare soil, but it's pretty darn close. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want any bare spots obviously, but, and I also, also you got to watch your animal condition too. You know, obviously you don't want to make them too hungry or have them losing weight or whatever. Uh, right. Cause they all, they all still have calves on them right now. I don't wean until 300 and some days. So we're not weaning spring calves until middle of February. Okay. How many of them have weaned themselves when you bring them in in February? About three quarters of them. Probably half to three quarters, I would say. That's that, that pretty much tracks with my experience of leaving them 10 months on the cow over yeah. winter. Yeah. Um, so j- just to go backwards a little bit. The reason I started to get uh, unafraid of overgrazing in the dormant season is all the burning that we've done. All right. I, all right. Look, I know I talk about burning all the time on a podcast. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today. But when we burn here in the Red Hills, it's usually late March or April, sometimes down to the first of May. And, you know, if we burn in the first of May, sometimes it's a little difficult because the cheat, you know, cheat in the cool season grass is coming. And about halfway between you and me, we got the Flint Hills where they burn a million and a half to two million acres every year. And you think about what that is. And when you're burning, you take all the above ground biomass and you completely defoliate it. So when that grass starts growing again, when it gets a little bit of moisture the first of May, it's got nothing blocking it from getting great sunlight. So it puts up all these great solar panels real fast. So a complete defoliation event towards the end of the dormant season stimulates new growth next season is what I learned from that. Okay. Well, I mean, if I take a paddock down a little short in the wintertime, as long as it's get the, as long as it gets moisture and two weeks without animals, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never thought of it that way, but, uh, again, this, the logic is pretty much similar. You know, if, if there's not no photo cell out there to grab, I mean, it's all dormant. Like you said, there's no, the, the leaf matter doesn't really matter because at least that's my opinion. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a plant guy that, that much, but if there's no green leaf matter to uh, absorb the sunlight, if it's all dead anyway, what's it going to hurt to take it off as long as you don't <clears throat> take it down so that you've got bare ground erosion and that kind of stuff, or, you know, right. Uh, you got to leave a cover obviously, but, uh, <clears throat> I mean, if they're, I, if they're I, ripping I, up your plant crowns, yes. you should have moved them two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I mean, like, like what we're doing, we're just moving them every day. Um, very seldom 
Like if we got a 60 acre pasture, obviously we're stripping it a lot, but, uh, you know, they don't, they don't really go back and read on the other one, uh, that even though they've got to have access to it because they just keep moving forward. And then, uh, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I don't know. I haven't seen any detrimental effects. Let's just put it that way. I think it greens up a little faster, like you said, and, and things get going. So, uh, <clears throat> once we hit the first of April, we just take off if we've got, if, if pretty much, growth. pretty much yeah. a calendar. I mean, we can, it, it varies. It doesn't very much with, you know, 10 days, five or six days off of the 1st of April. I don't think I've, I've almost always increased my speed and took off at one, either late March or early April. I don't wait very long because it usually rains and it's growing like crazy. And if, if you don't get started, you might think you're starting too soon, but by the time you, you get to the last one, it's, it's going. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's kind of a, again, experience judgment thing. Yeah. It's, it, and you have to be prepared to be wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And admit that you made like a catastrophic error in your grazing planning, which yeah. I've done <laughs> more oh, than once. I, I think everybody has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. So, um, before we get it, before the reason I really wanted to talk to you guys is because you've had a nutrient density study done on your beef. And before we get into that, like, how do you categorize it? How do you, how do you market it and sell it? And what do you, what claims do you make about your beef? Wow. <laughs> we are just touching the tip of the iceberg on this meat sales thing. Um, we, we actually wanted, uh, the information, uh, so that we could go forward with it. We didn't want to start a program and not have the information, I guess. Uh, so we're, we're really just very infantile in the, in the, uh, meat, in, meat in the meat business, uh, <clears throat> not just dipping our toes, basically you could say, but we wanted to get yeah. the testing done so that we had we we were hoping it would be better than average well you know, because of yeah. the way we graze it it made sense to me that if if the soil is improving then the health of the animal should be improving which means the meat should improve it and, but i didn't know that without the testing and i'm and i'm not going to tell you that and say well it should be better for you but i can't prove it and let me backtrack there a second um <clears throat> Getting the nutrient density testing done was a was a lovely surprised gift for us. There's no way we would have pursued this probably on our own at this point. Um, Is that because of cost? Decided, uh, yeah, it's expensive. Um, and, you know, getting your foot in the door with the guys that are doing the testing, you know, that sort of stuff. It's kind of a, it's not what you know, it's who you know situation, I guess, so to speak, without... I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. So what we did is we, since we kind of started down this quest, we've been looking at a labeling scenario for us. Um, we all know that everybody's counting on labels now. Um, 
I'm wearing one this morning. You're probably wearing one this morning. Chances are Bob's got, yeah, Bob's got a label on this morning. Um, we're kind of a society driven by labels, but you know, the certified organic, I'm, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but it just wasn't going to be for us. Um, it just wasn't going to work. Um, we looked at the Audubon certification, but that's pretty tough. Their, their uh, requirements yeah. for, for having native grasses is, is in our area, in our areas is not, it wasn't going to work. We were going to go broke making the native grasses and then not be able to have any cattle on it if we would have done all that. So Audubon does have some small holes to jump through. Yeah. They do. Um, and we, have, we have a lot of, you know, with the, like we said before, we have a lot of fescue. A lot of fescue. That, and and that was one of their main things for the birds that you're supposed to try and get rid of fescue. Yep. So it, that one wasn't going to work. Um, we looked at a couple of different options and then along came Regenified, which are you familiar with their program? I mean, Alan oh. Williams, Gabe Brown. Okay. So hit, hit the wave tops. Okay. So everybody knows, or not everybody knows, but a lot of people know who understanding ag is. It's Gabe Brown, Alan Williams, that crew. I mean, yeah. I, I would assume if somebody's listening to this podcast, they've at least heard of understanding ag and have a passive, passive, passing yeah. knowledge of who they are. Yeah. So the high points of this is those guys offered a labeling program, um, a, certification. a certification program. So another division of understanding ag, if you will, is regenified. Um, kind of a, it's separate, but not separate, if that makes sense. Um and it's a tiered program. Uh, levels one through five are where it stands currently. What they do is they come out, you, you apply for the program, they interview you to see if they can serve you and you can, you know, if it's going to be a good fit. Um, they come out, they do water infiltration tests, soil tests, um, plant diversity, um, ask you tons of questions about your procedures, uh, few other things in there. They don't always get everything done depending on how many acres you've got, but there's bug counts and bird counts and things like that. And uh, we interviewed with them and the guys came out and did some testing and we got our initial results back pretty quickly. It was within a month or so after the guys were here. And we actually entered in the program at tier five. But this, um, this, is, uh, <clears throat> this isn't just a program for ranchers. This is a program for regenified agriculture they have they have uh vegetable farmers they have grain farmers grain farmers they have everybody and they're they're trying to encourage the whole thing it's not just a ranching thing the whole agriculture industry com industry community to go regen regenerative uh practices yeah so and uh so oh, go ahead yeah anyway so we entered in at tier five um, which is the highest level. And we got that back and we were like, <gasps> you know, all the work is finally paying off. I mean, tier five, we were like, holy crap, how did that happen? Right. Um, and then through that tier five certification, Regenified actually offered us the nutrient density testing. They facilitated it. They handled it. It was them. Um, we got those results back and were completely blown away at the results. Completely blown away. 
So back back to the certification process. Uh, oh yeah, they come back and they reevaluate. And they're going to come back every year. Yeah. And if you don't maintain or increase your levels by of of what they're 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 testing for, you will go up or down in the tier level. Um, so it's a really cool program because they want you to get started. So that's why they tiered it. You can you can start like if you're a grain farmer they just want you to start start putting practices in cover crops whatever it takes and and work your way in because it's like i talked earlier it's it's tough to do it in uh in a in a cropping world where you're used to doing mono crops and leaving it bare and doing all that you know it's a it's a transition uh so uh, i think that, that it's really structured well Obviously, being a rancher's, it's a little easier, but there are there's limits. You know, they they want you to limit your hay harvesting, which is hard on on uh, hard on your soil. Uh, so yeah, the regenerative practices are are really encouraged, uh, and uh, you can just keep going and work your way up from there. But you you can't just sit on your laurels and say, "Well, this is good enough." Well, we not, got it. Yeah, we got I've it. I've got so it, and we're done yeah. because. It, if you if you if you don't try and keep getting better which which we all want to do you know you're always playing with the with the formula and trying to improve it um so i i think it's a great program it, it lined up with what what our vision is as far as uh soil health and the improvement of the planet and honoring the creator that gave us this land to work with for this short period of time and to leave it better for the next generation so it lined up with us and and their vision and our vision i think are very very similar so that's why we were so excited about it yeah awesome i, I have my cert i have my recertification paperwork for audubon right here that's gonna have to take care of that later today <laughs> yeah yeah um so anyway, when the nutrient density testing came back, we've we've been sitting on it now for probably six weeks, maybe. Um, How hard are, has it been to sit on those results and not just be streaming them everywhere? <laughs> our friends and family are probably sick of seeing yeah. the little files yeah. that we whip out on our phones whenever they're around. Yeah, we should, yeah. Um, it, it, we're going to release our results publicly here very, very, very shortly. We were... We had intended on getting it done this week, um, but we were just coming off a pretty busy time. Um, so hopefully we're going to get our little video shot and get it out there. Um, the final, final results for the poll public to see, but it's, it's, I don't want to seem dramatic, but it was kind of staggering to us to actually see how good and how good for you the meat is yeah. um it's but i've got to ask is there is there an apples to apples comparison do yeah. you have any of that data yeah. yes um so what they did is they tested our beef which is grass-fed grass-finished now that grass finished let me clarify that because that gets people all excited um <laughs> i don't i don't think ours were grass finished what do you call finished well to be i I fed I fed cattle on corn, and I know what a fat looks like, yeah. and and I don't think they were 
to be to me in my opinion i don't i don't know if they were finished as uh to have the right marbling and and that kind of they're stuff awful good they're, I mean, they're good. But you're also they're, you're also comparing corn fed to grass fed. So you know, in my mind, uh, uh and and they were they be, were yeah. they were darn close. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I'm probably gonna get myself into trouble from saying this. Okay. Okay, but I'm gonna say it anyway that's because fine. it's my podcast and that's what I yeah. do. <laughs> I don't think there's such a thing as quote grass finished there's just an animal that's been on pasture on grass its whole life finished is what you call an animal in a feedlot that has been fed to diabetic organ failure they're finished because if you don't process them they're going to die, die. from organ yeah. failure like yeah. that's what finished yeah. is to me okay all right well i would agree i i but would yeah. say i would say there's there's a a more degree of uh of marbling that you can aim for let's go with that with different plant without with that line i think uh if you watch for fat on the tail head and stuff like that some of ours do great on just what we have and some of them do not now so that, yeah. so that i would say i mean not that they do terrible it's just that they don't have that quite the marbling that you know one's going to be a little yeah, yeah a little bit of different genetics our genetics are are not all the same we have several different species or different varieties of cattle here. So our, it, it runs different, but uh, it's, it's getting, as we go about it, it's getting better, but uh, yeah, I <laughs> got a real rabbit hole. Here. Yeah. The, the, the finish, <laughs> the finish thing. I don't, I don't know if you, um, I don't know how to describe. It's just, a, it's just an eye thing that you can see um, where they've got little fat, things around their tail or on their their hip bones and and some of them don't but they're they've been around long enough that they should be ready to go so they go yeah um anyway that's, but anyway yeah. i they're all grass-fed and it, and growing up raising a lot of corn and finishing cattle on corn uh you know i used to really bash the grass-fed because i thought it tastes funny well, it does taste different. I'll grant you that. I bet I don't think it tastes funny. I think it actually has more flavor. It's got a higher flavor profile. Flavor of place. Yes. I I believe. I believe the the flavor is different, and I think it's it, it it's a richer, more about a better flavor. But that's True. again your your Opinions. your uh, it's a that's your opinion. When you eat when you eat your own meat, and like you take a bite of it and you close your eyes. Do you see a picture in your mind of where the, the last few paddocks that that cow was in? Well, most of the time I'm just thinking <laughs> it's pretty damn delicious. So. No, no <laughs> probably, probably not. Uh, um, but I, I know it's, it's really hard to uh, eat beef out now. Uh, normally I'll eat pork or something different because the beef is not meet my palate taste no matter where I go. Let me, let me go down a little side trail of what you just asked for. When I eat our meat, I know that that animal has lived its good and full and potential life and it's been well cared for. And, you know, it's had high quality forage its whole life. Um, but do I see it? No. Um, but knowing that it's had, knowing it's, 
had proper care and feed its whole life is is important to me yeah does that answer your question a little maybe a little bit uh we uh i don't know if that's an answer that i needed or or just discussion I, I think what I was kind of getting at is I think I was just sitting here thinking, I think we have like parts of five or six different animals in our freezers right now. And three of their, there are three different locations that they were quote finished at like the pasture that they were in for, you know, where they were for the 30 days before they went to the plant. And all these animals, like they subtly taste different there was a group of four that, you know, kind of all came out of the same pasture and went, then there was two that came out of the same pasture a month apart that went. Then there was another one that was just, I mean, he was with the herd basically. And they all taste a little bit different. And what I'm, what I'm trying to get at, and it sounds a little hooky and a little woo woo is when I eat the meat, I know which one of the animals it was from. And I know which pasture it came out of by how it tastes. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably a little bit different between operations because ours are in every pasture. I, well, what I'm saying is like the last couple of pastures that they're in. Yeah. Like well, the they're, they're only in the last couple of pastures for two or three days. I mean, it's not like they're in the last pasture for a week or a month or whatever, because they're not in the same pasture. So they're getting the mix of everything on the ranch every day. So our, our, our uh, difference between animals is probably not as uh, there is there isn't as much variety or, or difference between animals because all the animals eat the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And maybe I don't have as much diversity either. No, probably think... not as much diversity as you have either. That's probably true. And I think some of the difference that I have with these different animals is when they were all processed. Cause it's that, like that, that would make a difference. Yes. Uh, yeah. What time of the year, especially, yeah. Especially with us in the fescue and stuff. Yeah. It does make a little bit of difference. Now, the, the only time I really want to harvest an animal is um, kind of August through October. Yeah. Well, we like, we like to have the forage growing fairly well. So I, I don't mind, july ones because they've been on really good grass for a couple months um i so. i sent a couple at the end of july this year and it kind of bit me because i mean everything in june we didn't really have a lot of growth yeah, in june yeah, i mean it's just the growth it's, it's, the best growth it, and, it's best if you have growth yeah i mean they i only had maybe two or three weeks of gain on them at that you know when they went to the plant so they're a little small but it is what it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, ours, ours is ours is probably a little more. Uh, the taste difference would be more seasonal than it would be different pastures, I guess. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to the study. What okay. does it say? I gotta know what it says. So, the study actually says that if you want the nuts and bolts. Of, okay, in answer, can I go backwards for just a second? Yeah. You asked about how they're comparing it. So what they did is they took our beef versus the average grass-fed beef and i'm assuming i don't know this for a fact without doing some questioning but i'm assuming they just went and bought grass-fed beef from a grocery store for their comparison um brian i gotta pause for a second sorry okay well we'll pause it we can take a little break okay. thanks yeah 
Yeah. Every once in a while, we need a break. Okay. So we got to, let's recycle back to the beet study, the nutrient density study. Okay. So you asked earlier about the comparison. So I don't know. I don't know where they got their two sample pieces of meat, but they compared us to regular grass-fed, like I'm assuming what you would buy like at Whole Foods is labeled grass-fed or whatever grocery store you go to. And then they compared us to conventional beef, which I'm assuming is feedlot. Okay. Um, you oh, know, no. regular, regular ground beef, corn fed, whatever you want to call it. So grocery anyway, store meat case. Yep. Grocery yep. store meat case. Um, they tested it for lots of things. Um, and the nuts and bolts of it really are that if you want the same nutrient density in same, your, yeah. in your grocery store purchase versus the, our meat off of our ranch, you would have to eat 2.7 times the amount of meat. So our one hamburger versus 2.7 of others. To get the same, uh, let's say the, the same, same amount of, of protein or uh, the, they measured the, the phytochemicals, yeah. whatever you, however you want to say it. Yeah. Amino acids and like yeah. cholesterols and fat and, and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, 2.7. That's, that is shocking. Can you see that? I don't know. Is there too much glare? Yeah, it's too much glare. Sorry. Yeah. 2.7 times. Um, the other huge thing for me was carotenoids, um, which are the precursor to vitamin A. Okay. <laughs> we are off almost to the end of the bar graph well it's it's um 69.9 yep. milligrams per 100 grams of and, of, uh, of carotenoids carotenoids and the national average is zero. zero. wow yeah yeah that's what we said um, I, I don't know yeah the other fun one was b vitamins so there's actually actually the whole thing is fun but b vitamins uh, don't even show up in regular grass fed. We are 1.155 milligrams per 100 grams. And in the national average, which is your conventionally fed beef, more than likely pushed through a feedlot where they're pushing rations and vitamins and all that other stuff, they're 1.318 milligrams per 100 grams where they're pushing it and we don't push anything. We don't push it. We don't have a vitamin B supplement here. They're getting into everything they want out of the plant. Um, hey, hey. So that's, are you following that? Yeah. 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 Um, the omega six to three. That's, that's yep. what everybody wants to know about. Right. We are 1.19 milligrams per hundred grams. Grass fed average. And go to conventional. Well, if you go straight to conventional, they're 6.55 milligrams per 100 grams. Okay. Is this uh, a lower is better or higher is better? Lower is better. Okay. Lower is better. It's your golf score. Yeah. Okay. It's, so it's it's six to three. So if yeah. it's if it's if it's lower, it's better. Yeah. So there you go. So ours is one point one nine and and the average grass fed is one point seven seven. But it's uh, it's crazy. Um, 
but yeah, the study was done through the University of Utah. Um, Stephen Van Bleet, or however you, I can't, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce his last name. Um, well, Fred's out there too. Isn't and, you know, I think that's where Fred Provenz is at too. Um, so it's a pretty high profile meat lab. Okay. And so far, everybody that has seen this study result has went, oh, <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, you know, from what we hear from, you know, understanding ag, from holistic management, from, you know, American Grass-Fed Association, they all make the claims, grass-fed's better for you, grass-fed's better for you, you know, better omega-6 to 3 ratio, better B vitamins, better flavonoids, phytochemicals. 2.7 times as nutrient-dense, that is shocking. I, I wasn't expecting that, honestly. I was expecting something... Yeah. Like, like 20, 20, 30, 50% better, not 2.7 yeah. times better. We, yeah. I, I, when it came that. back, Brian, I, that's a goosebump moment. To yeah. Be honest with you. I said, Holy, yeah. holy cow. And, and this was just, I, I can't even tell you what animal this came out of for sure. Uh, we just took a, took a, a hamburger, you know, ground beef out of the freezer. And so it wasn't like we selected one that we thought would do better or whatever, because there, you know, like I said, most of our consistency is fairly similar through everything. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it totally blew us away. It really did. We weren't expecting anything uh, remotely close to that. So that <clears throat> you know that word gets out a little bit through the regenified thing. I mean people are going to want to buy what we have. So it's not, uh, and we're talking everything from restaurant chains to whatever we could provide. If we can provide that kind of meat and they can throw that up there. And that's not just us. You well, no. The term we collectively. Yeah. Well, as, I'm talking yeah. we as regenified. As regenified producers. Ranchers, you know, know. That, that it, once this gets a little more mainstream and people realize that ours is ours is 2.7 times conventional but so is every other regenerative ranch um i i you know or they're or whatever they are but i'm, I'm sure we can get a regenerative average uh once we get going and it's and you know it's going to be way better than conventional because it of the of the nutrient density that we eat yeah so it yeah. makes sense. It just I just didn't think it would be that high. I, yeah. I'm with you. I thought, I thought it should be a little bit better than conventional, uh, just because of of the soil health that we've fostered here. But I didn't expect it to be quite that much. So it's well, pretty, yeah. Oh. It's really humbling to be truthful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking about like the amount, like a serving size for me at home is, is not even half what I would eat if we went out to eat. I mean, mm -hmm. we make our right. burgers small, we make our tacos small, you know, all right, I, I eat too much chili, but generally when I'm eating my own beef at home, it seems like I don't need to eat as much. And especially for, you know, augmenting that with stuff that she's grown in the garden or, you know, right. that our other, or that our friends have grown. Yep. And I know, I know that the grass fed, that the beef that I've raised is more nutrient dense than anything I'm going to eat in a restaurant or anything I'm going to grab in a store. 
I know that because my stomach tells me that my brain's telling me that because it, it shuts me off early. It's just to say, hey, you, you're, you're full. You don't need to eat anymore, but go to the, you know, go to the burger joint in town, have burger and fries and a little bit of Coke. I'm going to eat the whole dang thing. I come home, try to eat the same size burger out of my meat and I'm going to maybe get half of it down and that's it. And, and it's just, yeah, I'm just, I'm blown away 2.7 times. Yeah. And, can you imagine, can you imagine going to just pick your favorite drive through whether you're going to grab a quarter pounder or a Whopper or whatever, can you my, imagine having to eat three of those essentially to get the same, nutrient. To, get the same to even, you know. We don't need, we don't need to imagine it anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have the results yeah. and we look at what people eat. And, you know, I, I think about this, that, you know, av- American portion size, you know, if you go anywhere else in the world, people are just amazed at how much food we get on our plates here. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, you know, somewhere North of 75% of the young people today are too fat and sick to join the military that that's kind of a deal. Yeah. And adult onset diabetes is one of the one of the worst epidemics ever. Why? It's back to our food. Well, cheap food is, is expensive. It's just <laughs> really, yeah. cheap food is expensive. Cheap food doesn't have nutrients in it. Yes. I mean a lot Okay, so the cheap beef is raised you know they feed that beef basically nutrient devoid food. I mean, just carbs and sugar, right? Yep. And when we process things like, you know, when we process our grain for, to make bread, okay, you got to mill the germ off of it because all that, you know, adds a little bit of flakiness. We need that better texture. So we got to mill it super fine. We want it white. So we got to bleach it and we take all the minerals and nutrients out. Oh, but we're going to put those back in. We're going to add those nutrients and vitamins back in it to make it healthy for you. Okay, great. They've taken all the nutrients out of it, tried to put synthetic nutrients in that aren't bioavailable, and then people eat these empty calories that are full of sugar, salt, and fat, and we wonder why everybody's getting diabetic. It, because we're not feeding people. We're just giving them carbs and sugar. It's the nutrient density. Like, the body, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get over my skis here pretty quick if I don't watch what I say. Um, listen to some of the guys that Joe Rogan has had on over the last four years, and they talk about like how metabolism actually works. Like Just because you eat a food that has LDL cholesterol in it, that doesn't mean your body is going to, is, that doesn't elevate your LDL cholesterol number because your body takes that chemical, does something to it, and then it enters the bloodstream as something else. It's like you're saying um, vitamin A precursors. And uh, maybe maybe it is vitamin A. And, and some of these vitamins, like, they're only bioavailable when they're made inside the body. It's mm-hmm. like you can't eat some of these vitamins and absorb them into your body. They just go right out the waste stream. So I guess what I'm getting at is this nutrient density thing, like it's been on my radar for three years. 
at least three years. People talking about the better increased nutrient density of not just beef, but also garden produce from, you know, regeneratively grown produce and, you know, soil health focused gardening systems. Yep. And I remember, I don't remember, there was something about, um, there's going to be a hand, there was going to be a nutrient density tester that you'd either like, it was either phone size or it was going to be an app on your phone and maybe a little plug-in module. I think I, I, I don't, I haven't seen anything about that lately. And that'd be like a wonderful technology. And maybe there's a reason why it's not getting to market is because the people that are be funding it know that it's going to kill all their market share and kill all their share value because nobody's going to want to buy nutrient devoid crap food anymore if they can actually see what's in it for themselves. You know, we talked earlier, you said um, you did this test, you want to do all this testing process as part of developing your label. Did I, did I capture that correctly? Yeah, just. And, and I totally, and I totally get that. I'm gonna let you finish. Labels piss me off. When I go to the store, the brighter and shoutier the label claim, the less I want to buy it. That being yeah. said, you know, being able to make a claim on a label that, you know, we have 60 times the vitamin A precursors. We have, you know, a 400% better omega three to six ratio than conventional beef and having results to back that up. So you can actually put that on a label is huge because yeah. that leads to people asking questions and being educated on the retail level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back for us, what, what, what made us pursue that is, I mean, you live in an ag area too. It, everybody and their dog has cows where we are at. Um, and everybody and their dog has a freezer full of beef. And pretty soon, you know, as well as I do that you've got last year's beef in there. That's you still got three quarters of it. And you got another two head that need to go to the locker and holy crap, we need to have a fire sale. So here it's very common to be able to buy burger for anywhere between three fifty and five dollars a pound right off of a farm let alone go to a big chain where they're running dollar 99 specials or whatever it is i don't know i haven't bought meat in years so i don't know um but we had i was we were pursuing a label to kind of validate and and not necessarily pursuing a label that's probably the wrong thing pursuing the proof that look, we're out here busting our butts to give you a good product and we can't go broke doing it because if we keep going broke, we're not going to be here in a year or five or whatever. So this is why it's worth more because you know as well as I do, if you go to the grocery store or anywhere and you see something on sale for 99 cents and the same product right next to it is 3.99, chances are you're going to gravitate toward the 99 cent one, especially in today's world where groceries are so stupid high. But it goes back to that line that you mentioned before, you know, cheap food. Cheap food really is expensive food because you're going to pay for it one way or the other, whether your healthcare costs go up or you've got to buy new clothes every year because your pant sizes keep changing or, you know, or dead when you're 50 because you've eaten shit your whole life. Sorry, that was a bad word. You've eaten crap your whole life. Um, <laughs> you, you, you can say that word here. That's fine. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, you know, it, we needed the validation. 
I guess, really. And um, and and again, you know, uh, I know you said you don't like labels, but <clears throat> we're driven I, by I, labels. We don't. I don't. I don't like the fact that anybody can just throw anything out there and not have it supported. It any different than the meat claim? Yeah, my meat's better than yours. Prove it. Okay. I ra I raise I. Ra I re all my stuff is raised regeneratively. Prove it. Well, that's what, that's what we did. We basically did the regenerative labeling so that we could prove what we're doing. We've got the results. We got the test results. We got the water results. You want to see them? I'll share them with you. I am doing. This. I'm not saying I'm doing it. I've got the results to say that I've done it, or, and that I am doing it. Not that I've done it, but that's 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 the importance of the label to me is that it's it's proof of what third party certified basically and and i believe it's i believe it's uh credible i guess for for uh, lack of a better word some of these other certification programs uh don't cost you anything you just fill out paperwork or whatever this one here, you have to be committed. It's expensive to do to 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 uh, get a regenified uh, certification. Uh, I wouldn't say it's expensive. Well, it's not. There's a, there's a monetary investment. Yes, it's not it's not cheap, but it's not. It's yeah. probably not. Yeah, that's probably uh, a, not a great way. word. There's a monetary investment from the rancher's side as well to be involved. So it's more than just. Well, I'm going to fill yeah. out the paperwork and you yeah. give me a certificate and yeah. we're good to go. You know, I didn't do anything besides answer your questions. I mean, nobody come out to verify that I was doing what I was doing yeah. or whatever. We're regenified there. I mean, these guys were boots on the ground and it was, they were here. It was freaking was hot when they were here. It was guys like out here, degrees that day. And it was all day. They were out here from eight nine, in the morning till till four thirty five. They ran, the ran about out of light. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were here all day long. Two uh -huh. guys, and they'll be back again next year doing the same thing over again. So, uh, so yeah, it's 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 a very well in in our opinion, it's a very well thought out, so, worthwhile uh, certification to pursue. Um, the guys, the the people at Regenified have been fantastic to work with. They've got, they have uh, marketing people to help you with marketing they've got um farmer outreach they've got a guy that is just doing nothing but figuring out how to source things for people right now we, um, there's businesses in the country looking for this now because yep. they're looking know, i mean they know that the, the regenerative movement is is really taking off with the movies yep. and the documentaries and stuff and so there's big companies looking for regenified products and so they go to regenified Say how do and we say, get better? Say, where are they at? Yep. Where, where are they at? Put us in touch with the guys. So they're putting them in touch with with their producers that are certified, uh, so that these companies can say we're buying from certified regenerative ranches or farms or whatever for our products. And well, case in point, Maker's Mark Bourbon. Okay. Maker's Mark just within the last. I don't know the exact time frame, but last fall, um, sometime in the fall, winter, they just started 
a certification process where they're going to store by a certain date. And I don't know what the date is off the top of my I head. I think they produce their first barrel. Yeah, their of, first barrel of, of bourbon from certified regenerated product. From a, a, a let me farm. Look, yeah, let me look it up here quick. It, I, I'm just thinking it'll be interesting when they start marketing that. And how long it'll be when they start marketing that? Because I mean, bourbon's got to age in the barrel yeah, for a while. Yeah, it's gonna be a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's gonna be a while. I can't get on there. I can't. I can't look up the date. It's it's on the Regenified page, um, on Facebook. Uh, but and, I mean, there's there's a lot of big name corporations that are paying attention. I mean, with the with the upcoming release of Common Ground nationwide, I think the demand's just gonna get bigger. I mean, there's a huge celebrity train involved. Oh yeah. You know, Kiss the had a big enough celebrity train. Common Ground looks like it's even bigger. I don't. I haven't seen the movie yet, but um, you know, I've, there's yeah. Go ahead. I've gotten to see a couple parts of it, and it's yeah. good. Yeah. You know, and then Roots So Deep, um, the Peter Bick docu series is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, fixing to come out again. You know, and the Roots So Deep team is just doing fantastic things for getting this word out. I mean, we had a screening here. Um. We did a last kind of a last minute deal um, after Peter was at our field day this year for work. Um, I told him, I'm like, man, we need to get this out to the people in my area. I mean, it's, you know, and he's like, let's do it. He said, send in a request for a screening. Let's get it done. So within four weeks time of me meeting Peter, we had him here. And on a Monday night, the night before Halloween, in the middle of absolutely nowhere Ozarks, Missouri, we had had 125 plus people show up for a screening in a little church that was 20 miles from everywhere and we fed them a just a light dinner we went into this little church uh sanctuary and, and you could have heard a pin drop for two hours and people were there till after 10 o'clock that night on a monday night in the middle of nowhere people are starving for this information they want to know and they want to know how to do better i agree it's 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 a movement it's a momentum it's yeah the movement is just gaining momentum and we're getting more and more and more support all the time more and more i mean these test results like i'm, I'm shocked it Maybe we can talk offline. If you would share a copy of that with me, just so I, just for my personal information, because I'd really want to look at it. I'd, I'd appreciate that. If you can't send it over yet, that's that's fine too. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. I was I was expecting it to be better, not that much better. Just. Well, I'm away. glad we delighted you as well as us. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a pretty much a shock for us, that's um, for sure. But yeah, it's the the results started to filter in before we got the physical file back. The results were filtered in over the phone, and I'm telling you, every time the phone would ring, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was just it was amazing to be able to. I mean, it was almost one of those pinch me moments, you know, like holy buckets. But that goes back to that statement that we said earlier, you know. If you got God in the middle of it, it's it's going to work out. And we've really changed our focus to work with what he's given us. So, 
at least that's how it is for well, me yeah, yeah they, i do i think but and it's and it's uh it's really rewarding to see the uh the land uh the soil and stuff uh change and improve and see uh, the wildlife come back I the mean, birds we've got quail up the yin yang deer about running us over here uh we we are attracting things you know uh without trying uh so that's fun it's it's fun it's uh it makes and, and of course moving 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 a bunch of cows uh people that have never done it don't realize how easy it is <laughs> yeah like, oh i don't have time to move i don't have time to move cows like hey can you imagine somebody says uh talking to a conventional rancher and says he said, well, how many cows are you moving every day? And I said, Well, there's about oh, between calves and everything, there's probably four hundred animals or better, close to five hundred in this group. He says, How long does it take you to move them? I said, Well, if it's just the pasture right next door, about fifteen minutes. <laughs> you know, it takes me longer to move the mineral feeders than it does the uh, the cattle because and I don't care if I went out there two hours after I moved into knee deep grass, if I showed up out there, they'd move again. Yep. Yep. You got to be careful so, about when you show up and yeah, and and how you go in and interact yep. with them if you don't want them to move. Yep. It's, yeah. it's tough because they, they got to listen to them moan and groan the whole time you're out there. Right? <laughs> but, like they're dying. It's but, yeah. It's uh, and it's fun. I mean, there's nothing like letting them go through and shutting your, rig off and hearing that grass get tore off you know uh the munch yeah yep. you just sit i listen to that all day long it is so cool and and this time of year i get a big kick out of what looking at the density too you put 400 animal units on five acres and they're just all out there with their heads down and just a grazing away and there's they're they're pretty thick and then when they leave they're leaving all their yeah. you know that's like 80 some thousand pounds per acre. Yeah, Just, it's not quite, it's not, it's not a hundred thousand pounds, but it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty thick out there. Uh, 80,000 pounds an acre on a daily. That, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. intense. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do that for, for, well, I guess almost half the year. That's, that's where we get our density and our high fertilizer usage is between that September and, and then after that, then we're just, Flipping grass and making, Trying to stay making soil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a pretty picture. I I, I like it anyway. I don't know. People have like to see them spread out over a large area. Some people like to see them all jammed and small. So it was funny. We had a a lady come to the ranch. Um, we have a new hired, a new guy that's working with us. Um, and his daycare lady comes out here every day and. She drove past the first day and she said, she pulled up here and she asked him, she said, are those cows supposed to be in that small of an area? <laughs> it's like, they had yeah. the whole pasture to yeah. run over, but we just give them another five acres and they yeah. were all. He was very concerned that they were trapped or something. <laughs> and that's a question you'll only really get from somebody that doesn't know anything. Mm -hmm. neighbor yeah. that has cows he's just gonna really wonder why in the hell they got them locked up between all those fences why are they standing shoulder to shoulder yeah i got neighbors yeah. like that too they don't listen yeah. to the podcast no i bet not <laughs> most of ours won't listen <laughs> well, to but either they so don't, yeah. but if i mean it's funny though the people do i mean they're watching 
uh, watching what you do. And uh, I, I just hope I would somehow we need to get Peter's Peter Bick's uh, docu series out. It's so, coming. So that it's coming. Somehow we need to get it into the mainstream so that people can just, you know, again, it's the same thing like we talked about with the with the certification mm -hmm. process. I can tell you that my soil is better, that the animals are healthier. I've got more birds and all that. But unless you come out and look, you're, you're going to say, well, yeah, sure. He's just saying that. Yeah. Well, the Peter's film says it right there. I mean, it's black and white. It's got the facts. It's got the carbon. It's got everything. It's, it's got the science behind what we do. And I think that to me was about as exciting as anything the actual physical documentation we can see it we you and i both can see what's going on and you know it's out there but to actually have somebody document it and prove it is is amazing uh just absolutely amazing and uh that's what, why we were so excited about getting it getting him here and getting him uh out uh, into the public a little more yeah. and I don't know how what the answer is because some people just don't want to hear the message too it's well it's but it's gained attraction I mean if you look at the views on on the YouTube stuff that Peter's got out there and the the Instagram stuff and the socials and stuff like that people are it's just exploding and the screenings are picking up he's doing another screening here in the Columbia Missouri area on the 19th of March um, and I'm expecting we'll fill that venue. Um, and like I said, there's, you know, just tons and tons and tons of stuff that's happening out there and people are catching on. Um, but like you said, to have that quantified the way it's quantified and written so deep is it's kind of irrefutable. You can't really, um, you know, you can't really, uh, debate it because it's it's so black and so white and so easy to understand well i think some of it is backlash from carbon cowboys and people saying well you got to prove it or well that's just that one place the guy next door is doing it just as good and he never moves his cows right so going back going back and trying to find places side by side as apples to apples regenerative versus conventional and doing the testing like he's done that's yeah yeah, yeah and, and and the testing like you guys have done like it just it's all the things that we've been lied to by, by big ag, just for lack of a better, not, not to pick on anybody, but just all the lies that have been told about what is and what isn't. And now the truth is coming out that we've got, we've got labs that can test meat for nutrient density. I think it's awesome. Like I, I appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate you sharing your results. Appreciate your time today. Um, how do we want to end? I don't know. I mean, just, I would encourage everybody out there. I mean, I realize that your market is probably pretty targeted. I mean, but anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't looked into any of these things that we've gone down, you know, check it out. It's eye opening, And it's, it's, it's incredible to dive into this world and see what we can do to change it. You know, the, the, everybody's all worried about climate change across the entire planet. And we can change the world here if we all jump on the same wagon. Um, you know, go start going down some of the rabbit holes.
I'll stop scrolling through my list and I start watching some of these YouTubes and getting get lit up about it. Um, that's what I would encourage people to do. Um, and if you've if you've been doing this forever and a day and you think you know it all, keep looking anyway because you, I promise that nobody knows everything. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, and just know that, like you know. We're here. I mean, we're not the answer to end all. We're not the answer to everything, but we, you know, we can direct you to some, you know, resources. We're always happy to talk. You want to come hang out at the ranch? Come on down. I mean, we'll give you a tour and, you know, do whatever. Um, that's like Bob said, do the best you can till you know better and then do better. Do the best you can until you know better than do better. I like that. Yep. I like that. Um, that's what, what do we need to put? Uh, no, I, it's not I read it someplace. It's not original. It's not original. I won't take credit for it. Okay. Well, I, it's become your life I, I, motto. I really like that yeah. motto, though, yeah. because you, know, you can't blame somebody for doing what they think is right. Uh, because I've been there and done that, you know, and, and I'm not going to beat myself up over it. You know, do I wish I would have went down this path earlier in life? Absolutely. But everything everything uh, happens for a reason and you connect the dots afterwards and here you are where you're supposed to be. Being you are where you're supposed to be. I was trying to do something with that. I couldn't think of anything. Oh. <laughs> uh, where can people find you if they want to know more? How, how can people get in touch with you? Where do you want to you have a website? Anything? Uh, clearspringranch.com is our website. Um, we've got to reach out. There's a, a holler us form there uh, that you can fill out. Um, that's probably the easiest, most consistent way to get a hold of us. We try to check emails at least in the mornings every day. Um, I think our phone number is listed on there. I don't always answer that line because it's become a political spam line. <laughs> <laughs> but leave us a message. We'll get back to you. Um, Email is missouriranch at gmail.com. Um, I guess that about sums it up. I'd give you cell phone numbers, but half the time Bob's cell phone doesn't work when he's outside and mine rings enough with South Pole business. So I, um, if you want me to have them, you can send them to me. I, yeah, I'll, I mean, if I'll you want me to put them in the show notes, I will, but yeah. generally I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, no. I'll send them to you uh, so we can take care of the other things that we were talking about earlier too. Perfect. So, um, but yeah, we're open to any visitors and we're always glad to help. We wouldn't be where we were or where we are without people helping us away. Um, we've had a great team of mentors and continue to have a great team of mentors and, and we're trying to build a great team here and, and, uh, we're here to help in any way we can. Yeah. I mean, basically 10 years, we came down here and we started completely over because this is nothing similar to what we used to do. I mean, absolutely not. So we've ha made a lot of mistakes. So I'd like to tell somebody what they are so they don't do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Save them some headache if we could. That would be great. Fair enough. There's. I don't like watching people learn the lesson that was painful for me to learn. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes you just have to watch that. Sometimes you have to yeah, let them do that's it. That's true. That's true. Yep. Very true. Sometimes you got to get out of the way for sure. All right. I think that's uh, that's a great place to end. I think we're going to get out of the way and uh, let y'all have a go. Go have a great week.
So you too. Yeah. Hey, I'll message you those phone numbers. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Yep. See, See ya. ya. Have a good have a great Bye. week. You too.